One and two and three and four. There's murder and intrigue, but the kids of Riverdale are gonna be just fine, just fine, just just fine. There's Jughead and Betty, and Dad's a serial killer serving some jail time, jail time, jail jail time. We got milkshakes and pops. And mimosas at Veronica's Yeah, the kids of Riverdale are gonna solve some crime Some crime, some, some crime Cause the kids of Riverdale are gonna still be fine Maybe damaged, damn, damn, damaged Sit right down, you're gonna have a real good time With Team Cheryl Who's Archie? Hello and welcome to another episode of Milkshakes and Mimosas, the only podcast that has one crew member who rescues baby hamsters. Um, <laughs> I thought you were going to say the only podcast sponsored by smallangels.com. <laughs> yes, Small Angels is a animal rescue where you can rescue cute little, uh, you know, guinea pigs, hamsters, you name it. And Danny... You are who I'm talking about. You are involved in this rescue business, or were at one point, and now are with a different one. But I yeah, don't know not, the other ones. Not so through Small Angels. Uh, looking at their website now, I've apparently never actually used them. They were just who <laughs> someone referred me to what? because I grew up. I can't believe we went through all of this for it yeah. to not even be a thing. Yeah, because I grew I grew up in the Chesapeake Bay region, and uh, so Fredericksburg, Maryland, was not far. But then. So that was someone who I was talking to when I was looking to adopt a hamster in Philly, but it didn't work because they were too far away. So the answer is search your search your local uh, pet um, pet websites, and they'll normally actually have small animals. People don't think about that, but small animals need homes too. Well, there you go. What it says to surrender your small pet, which is very sad. Oh, I'm sad now. Um, but yeah, so uh, that has nothing to do with what we're talking about today. But we're also joined by Caitlin. Hello, Caitlin. Hi. Long time mimosers, which is what <laughs> we call our fans. Well, remember all of our wonderful conversations during the summer, I believe. Uh, yeah. Or we j- we talked about the movie The Last Summer. Was that was it the perfect date or the last summer? That was the last one where the three of us were on. I don't. The really last summer. Time. The last summer? It was the last summer. Yeah, we did Perfect Date first, which I think kind kind of got our expectations up because uh, that's that's so far, I think, the best ancillary movie we've watched, which is not saying much. It's not a great movie, but... I don't know. I would I would prefer The Last Summer to The Perfect Date, but that's just me. And The Last Summer remember had a lot when of problems. She, remember when I she's even... like, if I open up the, 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 the glove compartment, is there going to be water bottles? And then there was. See... <laughs> Uh, I still remember the, unless you're in the mood for something hot, line from The Perfect Summer, which is uh, <laughs> an all-time classic. Uh, but yes, yeah, so uh, today we're talking about another uh, ancillary Riverdale cast member movie. Uh, we originally were going to talk about The Sun is Also a Star, 
But now that's become to watch that movie is now becoming a tier on the Patreon that we're learning to that we're starting because it cost it will cost me seventeen bucks. So I'm as if we get twenty dollars a month, I we will do an episode on this. But I'm not spending my hard earned money on this without some compensation. As okay? opposed to this movie that was in its entirety on YouTube. <laughs> Yeah, it was on YouTube, but it's also available for rent uh, and watching wherever you watch. And purchase. I would say donate to your local animal shelter instead of renting this movie. Caitlin, what are we watching today? We are watching Coyote Lake. Ah, yes. Coyote Lake. And that stars one Miss Camilla Mendez. So I was a little confused. Um, She wasn't in this, and it was like about a bar where girls dance on the bar. Haha, yes, that is that other thing. Coyote small, small coyotes, coyote wilds. Is that it? Coyote wilds? What is that movie? I don't know what that movie is. Coyote ugly. Oh, see, my thing is, I just think coyotes are cute, so I I would never have gotten that. They're cute. No, it's different views on animals. (laughs) (laughs) No, it's uh, coyote ugly is is somehow, I believe, slang for a vagina. That's where the name comes from. No, wait. What? No, my mistake. It's, 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 it's even it's even it's even worse than that somehow coyote ugly is when you sleep with someone while you're drunk and then you wake up the next morning i think they explain it in the movie because i have oh, no idea wanna, otherwise okay wait and it's is it the idea that you want to gnaw your own arm off is that what the thing Jesus. is because those yes. don't gross fuck you whoever came up with that we're talking about coyote lake and if you visited there they would throw you in coyote lake <laughs> danny what the fuck is Coyote Lake about? Uh, so this is the story of a woman and her <laughs> mother that is, her mother is drastically older than her. Like, I kept waiting for it to be her grandmother. Um, and the two of them just kill, like, human traffickers and drug dealers and stuff that come through their sketchy border town. And they, they kill them and take their money. But what's weird is they, like... <laughs> drug them before they know if they have any money and then they search their car for money so i wonder how often they've just been like well fuck and just let the person go on their way yeah you know this okay there are a lot of questions with this movie uh that is one of them of course that is that is definitely one of them and then Uh, the the mother prays at a uh like Altar. altar that she has built and she puts a little notch in the wall for how many people she's killed wow I must have missed that. I must have been writing notes when I and I missed that small part. That is a very significant part. Damn, she's keeping track, man. She's oh, yeah. she's serial Straight killing. Serial but spoil alert! You didn't Ow. notice the part at the end of the movie where, uh, fucking uh, her, her. I keep wanting to say Hermione, which is not the character's name. Um, <laughs> Esther. No, 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 no. Uh, what's her Riverdale character name? Her Riverdale name is Veronica. Even Veronica. Hermione's Veronica, her mom. <laughs> Veronica Lodge. Yeah, Hermione, you... Hermione's her mom, excuse me. Yeah, so my God. The, the, um, where Veronica goes and, like, breaks open her mom's uh, closet at the end of the film, and she sees the altar with all the, like, slashes, which I was confused why she was so shocked by that, since as far as I can tell, she'd been involved in all the murders. Or was the idea that, like, she would go to the store and the mom would just, like, murder someone real quick while she was gone? I mean, hey, man, who knows? Who knows what was going on with that shenanigans? 
Um, <laughs> I'd so... also like to note that I'm I'm currently being trolled by Caitlin <laughs> Re Hamsters because there's a hamster up for adoption that's over a year old, and I say that most of my hamsters only live for a year. <laughs> yeah, so uh, we put you on blast, much like Coyote Lake put on blast those motherfuckers who are human traffickers. Uh, yeah, so basically the plot of this movie, because I I. I love you, Danny, but I know we'll never get to the end of this because you will get sidetracked uh, at infinitum. Uh, so I explained the entire plot. What are you talking about? Well, I mean, there are uh, people who show up from the cartel and uh, they start kind of taking these people hostage and the rest of the movie becomes like a hostage romance slash thriller <laughs> slash... Ooh, did you really need to do that? That's a lot weird choice movie. Uh, so that's basically, basically picture the my new favorite genre. <laughs> picture the Dennis Leary movie, The Ref, except I've never Den- seen that. What, what <laughs> Dennis Leary, The Ref movie is that? Is do they also put people at the bottom of lakes? <laughs> no, it's just it's the only other hostage romance I can think of. It's one oh, where like wait, he, he... so somebody I don't like once was playing this movie at a Christmas party he was holding. And I think I've never finished to watch the movie because I, I associate it with that person I dislike. I'm like, you made a shitty Christmas party and you made me come and you made me watch the ref. Fuck you. <laughs> Fuck oh, you. don't worry. I've never seen it either. I just, <laughs> it was the only other hostage romance I could think of. Oh my God. Okay, Caitlin, what did you think of this movie as a whole and what did you think of uh, Camilla Mendes's, uh performance in general? Also, uh, I'm sorry because I we we do have a lot of uh, problematic aspects that we have not touched on yet, but uh, we will get there. I swear. So, I, actually, the first note I have about this movie is Camilla Mendes is a bad actress. Oh, <laughs> oh, poor Camilla Mendes. I think she was very good in this movie. I, I in fair. general, That's I think fair. she's good, but I just felt like this. I don't know if it was the way the character was written or the way she performed it, but it just felt a little stilted. I forget, have you seen much Riverdale, Caitlin? Not very much, no. Yeah, because I feel like this role is better based on Riverdale, because it's not that she's bad on Riverdale, she's just the most, like, over-the-top character ever. Like, I feel like her and Cole Sprouse are just both gunning for, like, you know, like, like, like they literally must have to put them in, like, like dog mouth things to keep them from chewing the scenery. <laughs> you mean muscles? Dog mouth things? Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, yes, you're wearing one of those dog mouth things, I see. I too. Like a bane that, mask. That, that reminds me, I was at uh, a... I was at a pet store last weekend, oh, and they had le- they had they had leashes for gerbils. Oh, oh, this is just gonna be called "Rescue Gerbils" the episode. Uh, <laughs> but anyway, sorry, uh, Camila Mendez, uh, not a great actor in your uh, estimation. Oh, I- yeah, sorry, I totally, I totally interrupted you, Caitlin. I'm sorry. You're fine. I, I I think that the woman who played her mom, or as Danny pointed out, possibly her grandmother, given the age difference, I thought she that was is, a really compelling uh, actress. That is Adriana Basara, uh, Barasa. Uh, she is from a lot of things, uh, actually, so she's very well known. She was in Drag Me to Hell, even. Uh-oh. And Thor? She was in Thor. What? <laughs> yeah, she has a full she has a full character name, but like I haven't seen the movie Thor since it came out because the movie's not that great. But the movie she played Isabella Alvarez, a bit of a questionable 
questionable name for a character but she also directed a lot apparently she has uh she's a pretty prominent director in her own right uh so that's anyways. cool yeah good for her anyway sorry i bet if, i bet if we'd watched a movie she directed it would have been better than this one yeah probably although she was both in the dora the explorer movie and the rambo movie in between these like, <laughs> in between Kirk Lake. um that that Rambo movie is supposed to be terrible. Um, on uh, Thor's Hour of Thunder, uh, Tori put that as like she she couldn't even, she didn't even bother making a top five for the worst movies of the year. She just had that movie, and I forget one other movie. That sounds uh, that sounds about right. That sounds yeah. About right. yeah yeah. It was a movie so bad that it made all the other movies too too good to be included. Fair fair. Yeah. Anyways, I'm sorry, Caitlin. We just keep interrupting you. That Door of the Explorer movie looks tight, though. <laughs> and we won't stop, apparently. Daniel, <laughs> uh, I think I mentioned in the group chat that... Um, oh, that was a my... dog sound. Whose dog it's was ben. that? It's Ben. It's Danny's dog, Ben, isn't it? Yes, correct. Oh, hey, hi, Ben. Ben, little dog, doing a little shakies. Anyway, sorry. <laughs> Even the dogs are interrupting you, Caitlin. What's next? The re- What's next? The re- is a rescue hamster going to butt in? I've allowed the rescue hamster to interrupt me by uh, sending it through the group chat. In the group chat, I had mentioned to y'all that I worked as an interpreter for Spanish language resources, and I worked with a lot of immigrants. Um, and I've seen the way that coyotes or coyotes as they're pronounced as Andrew mentioned earlier in the show and how the cartel has just like horrendously and tragically affected so many families that I worked with. So at first I was really frustrated, um, by how romanticized the whole situation was. At first I was on board. I was like, okay, sweet. We're killing traffickers. Let's fucking go. (laughs) And I was on board (laughs) with that. Um, but then like, I don't know, there was a weird dynamic between Camila Mendez and her captors, the hostage folks. And, uh, just in general, the whole romanticization of the scenario was, troublesome to me yeah Um, yeah it was it was very troublesome although like i will again i'm sorry not interrupting you more trying to converse i i will think that the i will give the movie a little bit credit is that it does try to kind of demystify some of the romance a little bit like in the realm of like look no like i you can't come with me it will not work out i'm not taking you with me I will drop you off at a random town so you can become a cleaner or a waitress or whatever. Like, literally, those are the only careers she can come up with. Well, I mean, come on, Camille Mendez. Like, be a fashion designer. You got some weird chic in this movie. <laughs> <laughs> As imposed upon her by her mother. Yeah, I was sad that the, the binding was imposed upon her by her mother. I was kind of excited for a, a non-binary character, but uh, nope, it's just her mom tried to. This was nowhere near as progressive to have had that. Yeah, um, uh, anyone want to bring up Dirk? Oh, oh God! <laughs> um, you, you mean the, the fucking, uh, what, what, okay, so, um, if anyone's, if anyone's seen the movie To Kill a Mockingbird, and they're like, man, it took the nuance of Robert Duvall to have this simpleton character not be a stereotype, picture none of that nuance. <laughs> Okay, I'm sorry, but Boo Radley never killed or never helped in murder. (laughs) 
or or had sex with someone's mom. <laughs> okay. Why is that? Why is that your concern, Danny? Had sex with someone's mom. I just like the way you worded that. Uh, moms <laughs> have sex too, Danny. No, uh, moms have sex too, and people with diminished mental capacities should also be allowed to you know have fulfilling sex lives it yes, was just uh, a no very possible yeah yes, the, the, it the, was... the problem was like yeah. i'm not sure where consent begins especially like okay so for one i don't think the movie thought or researched or did anything about this character like i think they just wrote like, they're like, hey, Forrest Gump shows up, helps them murder, and we don't make him talk so no one can compare us to Forrest Gump. <laughs> like, it was very questionable. I don't think the re- – I don't think they – like, I think they did research on a lot of other things, but I don't think his performance in particular was, like, researched at all or, like, nuanced enough to kind of, like, discuss who he was and, like, where the fuck does that guy live normally? Because oh, yeah. I don't think I don't think he lives there because they talk about how they don't need a man in the house. So like he comes around and he comes and goes when he pleases. But where does he when live? He, when he was taking their victims vehicles to the field, wasn't there like a camper out there? Or am I making that up? Yes. OK, but if, if but if he's driving all their vehicles to his own camper, that seems like a bad plan on his part. <laughs> I well, they know. clearly don't care about his well-being. <laughs> no, they definitely do not care about his well-being. And a big plot point in the movie does revolve around a reveal uh, where his character it has a special watch and it does not go well. Uh, but, like, they literally do that thing where it's like, oh, he likes shiny things. Like, it's it's very worrisome. I think it's very worrisome. But... Um, yeah, that's Dirk. Uh, <laughs> uh, Caitlin, I know you have a little bit of experience as, like, a, an, an interpreter and that you, like, actually, like, kind of, like, deal, uh, dealt with, like, immigrants who kind of, like, go through, uh, the process of, like, coming from, uh, Mexico to America. So, I, I'm sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt you. I just, I'd be interested to hear your perspective on that and how the movie kind of portrays that versus... Uh, after the romanticization, which is uh, already questionable. I mean, honestly, it's just as tragic and upsetting as you can imagine it would be. And it's also, I I guess I do like the one nuance this movie was able to capture is that um, for the two guys that ended up holding them hostage, it seemed like that was their only career option, right? Was to like move drugs or they didn't really get into what their background was, but they're bad guys, quote unquote, who are moving drugs. And it's revealed at some point that like he didn't have a choice to get into this. So I, I, I enjoyed that there was some nuance there um, just because it's, it's true. A lot of people don't have a choice. They're either fleeing um, and trying to move through. Like we saw early in the film with families that were making their way through and Camila Mendez generously gives them a basket of fruit so that they have something to eat. And then there are folks like the captors who, took them hostage who seemingly didn't have a choice but to get involved in this kind of lifestyle um and it sucks i mean people die their families are torn apart um and it's just really heartbreaking all around um but at the same time in that same vein i think i also mentioned being kind of torn because while i do hate that it's romanticized at the same time this is somebody's 
well, actually, it's a lot of people's reality. And some people do live this as their day-to-day life, and they do find, I guess, love, quote-unquote, that way. Um, but in general, I was just kind of irked by the dynamic between Camilla Mendez and her um, hot boyfriend with the gun character in this movie. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that like was he all had kinds this, of problems. He was holding her hostage, but she also like wanted to have sex with him. I don't know. It was just very weird. Yeah, it was very weird. And I think, like, uh, I mean, like, again, I don't mean to be mean, but, like, I do think a better movie might have been able to explore that a little more in depth. Because, like, for me, like, a lot of what Camila Mendez's character is going through kind of uh, reminded me a bit of, like, Munchausen by proxy. Uh, not to the not to the extent that uh, her mom tells her about illnesses and she believes that she has an illness, but like there is a lot of societal woes or like uh, moral standpoints, like ideological views that are like set upon her that she kind of yeah. like, is forced That's into fair. believing uh, in a way that was kind of similar to that. I now that disorder is a real thing and is very complex. Complex. So I only uh, brought it up in ways of if you know about Munchausen by proxy, you might kind of understand a little bit more about the character if you haven't seen the movie. By the way, chances are you haven't. I don't think anyone has, other than us three in this chat room. And presumably uh, Sarah. Uh... Seligman, the director and writer. Yes, yes, sorry. Sarah Seligman, uh, uh, the director, uh, she does do a good job directing. I will say that. I think the direction, like as far as like cinematography and that goes, uh, is, is pretty good. I think, unfortunately, it's the script which I have uh, the most issues with. Like, I don't think this is a particularly ugly movie uh, by any uh, stretch of the imagination. It's well captured. It just, it, like you said, there are so many different directions that it could have gone, and it chose yeah. to go in all of them. <laughs> like, yeah. I would have enjoyed a story about a mother daughter team who grapple with, I guess, sort of the emotional and moral parameters of killing coyotes. And then I can also understand the story of, you know, drug cartel folks who are moving through a town have to hold someone hostage and like a romance happening in there. I could see a story about, you know, a girl whose mom doesn't want her to help immigrants that are coming through and crossing the border, but, you know, struggling with that. But it went in all those directions, not just one. Yeah, yeah, I think that is probably the biggest, the biggest error of the film. And I think the film doesn't really... I mean, like, I think the film wants to talk about Camilla Mendez's character and how she kind of, like, goes through and uh, reacts to this world. But I don't think the script really does enough to kind of point out her worldview. Like, we don't really understand how she feels about any of these. Other than, like, you kind of get the idea that she goes, oh, this is just how life is. This is kind of justified. Yeah, well, it's it's funny how artificial all the the stuff about the border feels because I was I was reading here the director and writer was born and raised in Mexico, um, so it's it's she clearly had sort of a story to tell about this, whether it was her own story or just you know what she she'd heard growing up. But it, it was something where you feel like she wasn't able to capture it, like you you guys said, it's all sort of broad strokes. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's the I think that's kind of the biggest point is that they I think they kind of try a little too broad uh in the way that they do the film. And I'm sorry guys, this suddenly just turned into a very serious 
podcast. <laughs> everyone, everyone you cut to is just like, yes, and uh, we do care about the border, but we don't know how to talk about this movie because Andrew picked a bad movie out of a line of no, movies. I'm glad. No, I I'm, like uh, it. Yeah, I'm glad we watched this because, um, like, I actually liked Veronica's acting in this. I think, yeah, I agree. I actually think this is a very good performance by her. Only, like, now I can totally understand just coming in, like, blank to this movie and being like, ah, eh, that's a little bit of a questionable performance. But if you compare it to uh, Riverdale, like Danny said earlier, it is such a dramatic difference that well, it kind of like it really brings out like the kind of the subtle subtleties of the character a little bit. Like yeah. the fact that she can play anything subtle when uh, she plays Veronica on Riverdale, who is uh, maybe the least subtle character of all time. Oh wait, Cheryl <laughs> Blossom exists. Like it's like it's like that show has like no subtle characters. Yeah. So like the idea that she can perform a role with any type of subtlety just like instantly is just like give her the Oscar. Like yeah. I'm just like suddenly well, like clapping and I'm like give her the Oscar. I want to see her accept her reward because well, she and, can somehow play not Veronica. Uh, just when I saw the poster for this and I saw like a guy with a gun and then her. I just assumed it was going to be like she's like a rich girl that gets kidnapped because right. every single thing we've seen her in, she's played a rich girl. She's rich on Riverdale. Oh, yeah. She was rich in The Perfect Man, or excuse me, The Perfect Date. That's very true. That's very true. Uh, yeah, it's a, it's a bit of a surprise. Although, like, again, Caitlin, you are probably more right just coming into this from a performance aspect, having no background or baggage with the character, but... I want to say that coming from Riverdale, it kind of impressed us. But uh, <laughs> like, I guess. hey, have you all looked at the uh, the headshot for the guy who plays the like primary kidnapper? Uh, you mean uh, Pac- Paco? Uh, let's see. Uh, no, uh, Ma- Mario. Is that not the primary kidnapper? No, I don't believe so. Oh uh, well, that's what his name. That's what his name's listed on IMDb. Do you realize that Mario is dark? Wait, no, he's not. Wait, no, who it's the Mario hell is... and Paco were the two. Oh, wait, no, 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 Ignacio. Yeah, is like the guy who's wounded. And I thought the other dude's name was Paco. No, I, I that makes sense. Um, for some reason, he's credited as Mario. Yeah, I'm you're not... right. It is. I'm looking at um, Wikipedia right now, and it's listed as Mario too. But I'm pretty yeah. sure his character's name was Mario. So go to IMDb and look at him, or just look up Charlie Weber on IMDb. <laughs> look at the and... fourth photo right now. Whatever you're doing, look at the fourth photo. The fourth photo, okay. Charlie fourth Weber. photo of him, Charlie Weber. Oh my God. <laughs> What is going on? Oh, it's from Vampires Suck. <laughs> you know, I gotta give Charlie Weber props if he's out of Vampires Suck. Oh, wait, is this the guy who's the the first character? Is that who Mario is? The very first character who gets drugged and, like, thrown in? Because, like, he doesn't look like him. Because... Oh, so it was the cast was in order of appearance, not in order of importance. Yeah, because Andres uh. Uh, Velez plays uh, Paco, and if you look at his headshot, you're like, yeah, that's Paco. Uh, so yeah, so I guess Charlie Weber is just the guy who gets drugged and uh, begged the first time. Yeah, but uh, the photo is like 
photo he chose for IMDb is him with a fucking wife beater on and thin suspenders with, um, like, khakis and the, like, the blinds hitting him like it's a film noir. And, dude, Shred looks amazing. This is an amazing cast photo. Like, if I was a casting agent and I came across this photo, I'd be like, yeah, lead. And they're like, this is Diary of Anne Frank. I'm like, I don't care. This guy's the lead. Oh, God. <laughs> oh, my God, Danny. Oh, God. I just have to. Sorry. Okay. Yep. Nope. Okay. Going on. Uh, Danny, uh, I guess we'll just cut back to you now that you uh, are just uh, espousing your love of Mario. Um, and I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I got the names confused. I just assumed the third build guy was going to be that guy because he was such a major character. They don't even yeah, have that... Paco listed on the Wikipedia page for the movie. That's so, really weird. It's that so is so weird because, like, I don't think the people who wrote the Wikipedia watched the movie. No. Uh, but, uh, yeah, Danny, you said this was based on Falcon Lake? Like, Yes, in, uh, thank you so life. much for bringing that up. Oh, my God. So Falcon Lake is a uh, border town lake uh, on the border between the U.S. and Mexico. Like, the, the water of it actually crosses over into Mexico. And okay. it was formed by them making the Falcon Dam. And uh, it is apparently actually where, like, a lot of uh, drug cartel bodies get dumped. Um, and... Then also they've had just instances of people getting straight up. There's pirates on this lake, I kid you not. They've had instances of people getting, like, boat jacked and, like, robbed and stuff on this lake. Uh, so, but the craziest part about Falcon Lake is the fact that one of the drug cartels attempted to blow it up. Sorry, blow up the dam, which would have drained oh. the lake. Oh, sorry, I thought you said try to blow up the lake, and I'm like, how the fuck you blow up the lake? Damn. <laughs> so, what happened was, a rival drug cartel lives downriver of this lake. So their plan was to blow up this lake in order to kill the rival drug cartel, which is a plot that Wiley Coyote would think of. <laughs> so, fortunately, the um, uh, U.S. and uh, Texas... Uh, guards that uh, or, uh police were figured this out or rather i think the texas police figured this out or, sorry <laughs> texas think it's on the country the mexico police figured this out and notified the like federal employees that guard the dam because the cartel was nice and warned like the civilians in the area like hey you guys should leave because we're gonna go blow up this dam <laughs> That's kind of cool. Like, I want to see that movie now. Because, like, again, that, like, that adds the extra layer of, like, hey, we're warning the civilians. This is not an attack against civilians, right? Like, there's, like, some, like, layers to that story, uh, which I find very interesting. Uh, but we really, other than a, a brief scene of somebody being, like, going to, like, a, dr uh, a gun running deal, we don't really understand what the characters who are holding... Uh, Camila Mendez and her mom hostage are up to like we don't really kind of understand like wh how did that dude get shot Does I was know? really confused like if you get shot and you're gun runners you're really bad at your job because you have the guns <laughs> <laughs> uh, does anyone have any ideas how they got shot was it by well, the same dude we see dudes? them have a confrontation later on with some of their arms dealers so it, right. and it, at some point they have a gun drawn on them so I don't know if it was like a confrontation gone wrong or a drop-off gone wrong, handoff gone wrong, but I assumed that it was from like a rival 
person or someone that they ripped off. Or Maybe something. they were involved in the 2010 plot to blow up Falcon <laughs> Dam. You know what? I guess they don't give a year. They don't give a year. As far as I know. <laughs> and they do not give a year. This could have been 2010. The Falcon... Falcon... Falcon? That's not a word. Falcon the Falcon... Falcon Falcon. Falcon Falcon. Uh, the damn uh, explosion plot could have been happening. So... Good on you, uh, Danny. Uh, who knows? That could have happened. Um, Thank you for acting like I had a valid point. <laughs> that's that's literally what I do on this podcast. Uh, I, I validate. You reinforce. It's wonderful. It, if you listen to, to last week's episode, there is one character who... Uh, character she's a person who is in the podcast she's not a character uh but every time that she talked her like recording messed up and it sounded robot-y but you wouldn't be able to tell because i'm just like "Uh uh-huh wow that's a really good point like i'm just just naturally skilled at that i was impressed listening to it i was like damn andrew like way to go (laughs) uh but okay Caitlin, I must know, what did you think of Camila Mendez's fashion choices in this movie? Um, <laughs> well, I had gotten your message before I started the movie about Where's Waldo. <laughs> so at first I was really confused, and then I saw her in that opening scene, and I was like, ah, I get it. There's Waldo. There's um, Waldo. But I, oh I, my god, wait, time out, I'm so sorry to interrupt, but I have to talk about my favorite story about Where's Waldo. <laughs> okay, what? Okay, see, Danny, okay, people listening at home, this is why if you have a podcast, you need a Danny. <laughs> you need you need someone who will somehow have a favorite story about Where's Waldo, a book that you probably read to pass time while your teacher yammered on and on in, in <laughs> like book, some type of English class. A Anyways. book that you read at the dentist office <laughs> yeah, when you're dentist. eight. Okay, uh, I must but, know, Danny, what is your favorite Where's Waldo story? Uh, so when I lived in Philly, there was this like super trashy bar um, out, out in the suburbs, um, which I'm not even remembering the name of, but... Um, the Waldos. Uh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> but I was I was on Halloween, I was there with um like my girlfriend um in college and uh we walk out to the parking lot and there's a diner across the street and in the window of the diner, like, there's two guys dressed as where's Waldo and I'm just hoping so much that they met at the bar and like hit it off and we're now on an all Waldo date. Aww. I hope so too. I hope so too. I Danny, I like the world you live in. We have uh, you know, small little hamsters that are being rescued. We have uh, you know, gay Waldo couples. <laughs> uh, you know, it's it's really is the the paradise that I think Camila Mendez was dreaming about in this movie. <laughs> Uh, you know, I, I I really think that when she was thinking about a better life, she was thinking about your life in particular. 
Danny, you can give her the life she's always dreamed of. Yes. <laughs> you can give her the life she always dreamed of. Uh, but yeah, sorry, Caitlin. Uh, what... To be fair, substitute teacher was definitely out of the range of the type of jobs she was thinking of. So I, I, I would <laughs> I, I would be aspirational to her character and to no one else. Oh, not true. Oh, that's not true. You look after hamsters. That's an aspiration I now Hamster have. Hamster hero Danny. <laughs> well, they actually, they make a big deal about her fashion in the movie. Um, they do, they do. They, he uh, does, she's that guy. told several times she dresses like a boy. Yeah, which, like, I kind of, again, like, I was kind of bummed, like Danny said, that, like, a lot of this stuff was, like, her mom's doing, because, like, I thought it would have been uh, much more interesting if just like, yeah, she was just like, yeah, this is how I dress. But like, again, this well, happens. From the beginning, I thought that it was a practical choice, you know, just being around, you know, they list their home as sort of a makeshift inn where people can come in and rent rooms. And we, you know, obviously we as the audience know that it's got ulterior motives where they're going to kill the coyotes. But I thought from the beginning that it was just a smart move on her part and her mom's part to make her look as um, sort of boyish and homely as possible just because they have a lot of strange men coming in and out of their house. But we learn later on that it's because her mom is a big old weirdo and doesn't want her to grow up and kind of wants to keep her in this weird controlled space. Yeah, the uh, actress that played the mom was great, but I wish the mom's character had been less one-sided. I think I think we would have done with like a few just like cutaways with just her mom's character, right? Mm-hmm. Like I think that they kind of just like rob her of other than like so she looks on you have the idea that her mom lost a brother and her husband. Mm-hmm. Sorry, I guess it would be her son, not her brother. I don't know what that says about me that I mixed those up, but anyways. Uh, but yeah, so uh, her son brother is dead, and her father is dead, and you're like, oh, this is interesting. Well, like, I feel like it's at least you loss. mixed up at least you mixed up son and brother as opposed to husband and brother. At least you mixed up people you don't have sex with. <laughs> yes, thank you, Danny, for that insight. Uh, that will now be forever in the public record. Uh, anyways, uh, that's getting cu- us both tonight, Danny. <laughs> that's getting cut from this episode, isn't it? <laughs> no, it's not, because this episode has to go up in an hour and whatever is, is happens in this episode. And when somebody listens back to this episode, they'll be like, oh, wow, it's that point in the podcast where someone says, this is going to be edited, and it doesn't get edited. Wow, I've reached that point in the podcast. I'm so heartfelt. God, God yes. I, don't know what is ha- I don't know what is happening right now. <laughs> Have you never reached that point in a podcast where someone goes, oh, he's going to edit that out, and the person goes, oh, yes, I will, and then they don't edit it out? <laughs> yeah, I love that. Nothing... They like, oh, God, cut that, cut that, and then it doesn't get cut. And you're yeah. like, ooh, I'm privy to this information. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you're kind of like, oh, this is a little saucy. I heard Salacious. this. When really the story is like, whoever was editing it was extremely lazy and just felt like posting an episode doing the minimal amount of effort. And <laughs> also pod- known as podcasting. Yes. <laughs> also known as podcasting. Uh, but yeah, so uh, where's Waldo Mendez? Uh, has some interesting fashion choices in this movie. 
but I guess that's it. We kind of wish that uh, there was more to the mob, but unfortunately, there is not. Like everything in this movie, all characters seem kind of like short-stocked. I mean, like, what was with the friend who got shot? Did they ever really give any character to the friend who got shot? Uh, Caitlin, I guess I'll ask you this question. No, it's funny. I feel like we have the two, like, collaborating parties, which are Camilla Mendez and the, you know, cute boyfriend guy, Paco. And then we have the two extremes on the other end, the mom, who doesn't give a shit about either of those guys' lives, and then the wounded friend, who also doesn't give a shit about either the mom or the daughter. Because both of them are like, who cares? We don't need them. Like, they're not our priority. They're not important. But then you got your little love story between Camilla Mendez and Paco, who are like, no, we can't hurt them. And they're, you know, I don't know. But there's not a lot of nuance to those side characters, side characters being mom. There's just not a lot of nuance in this movie, period, unfortunately. It's weird where, like, everyone is a shade of gray, but everyone's kind of a uniform shade of gray. (laughs) Yeah, that's a good point. I, I, this movie is only, like, an hour and a half long, and most movies in this ilk are at least two hours, so, like, it felt very truncated. Well, I was happy with a really small cast and within a confined um, shooting location for the most part. They go to the pharmacy once or twice, but for the most part, it takes place at the little farm in area. Yeah, and I was actually happy for it was a short length and it was a very just sort of low stakes story, you know, like it, it, it shouldn't have been. It's the cartel. It's human trafficking and it's a hostage situation. It's so weird that it felt low stakes. Yes. Okay. That's fair. But I guess that's what I kind of liked about it is that like, no one ever really felt like they were in any, at least Camila, Camila Mendez never felt like she was in any danger. Like this dude always is like pointing a gun at her, but then if she's like, Oh, don't do that. He stops. Like, <laughs> Yeah, all it took was, like, a very Disney moment of, like, your hair is down. You look very pretty. (laughs) Oh, my God. Yes, yes, it was literally that moment of, oh, wow, your hair is down. You are suddenly the hottest babe in the school. (laughs) This is an 80s sex comedy. And that, you just take off your glasses and let your hair down, and suddenly you are a sex goddess. (laughs) Um, I forgot to mention when we were talking about her fashion, I like that when she, um, spoiler alert, major spoiler alert if you haven't seen this movie, when she kills her mom, she, like, embraces her, like, being able to wear the kind of clothing she wants to so immediately that she's in, like, a pretty nice dress when she's, like, cleaning up the blood and dumping the mom, and I'm just like... pharmacist. Yeah. Yep. The pharmacist was so kind... And she gave her a nice dress. Oh, yeah. The greatest pharmacist ever. You just walk in and you're like, oh, man, we need a bunch of, like, painkillers and muscle relaxants. <laughs> and she's like, prescriptions? Never heard of them. Though, to be fair, that was consistent with things Camila Mendez is in. Because do you remember at the beginning of season three of Riverdale when Betty was faking going to a psychiatrist and was just writing her own prescriptions and they were for some reason filling them? Uh, holy shit. Yes, yes, I do. <laughs> so I guess maybe a little bit of uh, Riverdale uh, logic kind of, like, sunk in. Although I will say the, the, the female who was doing the uh, the uh, pharmacy, the head of the pharmacy, I guess that's how you say it? Pharmacist? The pharmacist? That's how you, <laughs> yeah, that's how you actually say it. But my brain was like, 
she was quite the lady. Good. The lady who farms, good. I think, is the technical term. <laughs> the lady who farms. Uh, she was very good. I thought she did a good performance. Yeah, she. I mean, there was a lot of irony with her character because so many times she's like, I, I don't know. There's the instance where um, Camilla Esther. We should call her, start calling her character's name Esther is Esther, watching at the yes. TV in the uh, pharmacy, and it's like some news report about the the cartel and about coyotes and all that. And she looks at her like she's concerned, and the pharmacist is like, "Don't worry, sweetie. Just try not to think about it." Like we get a lot of like sad, like oh, she doesn't even know, like irony from that character. But yeah, that was that's a, about all. <laughs> yeah, that's kind of about all that we get, uh, which isn't great. But I do think that there is some. Uh, I do like that there's a telenovela that's kind of like happening before that news performance. <laughs> I definitely noted that, and I'm like, hell yeah, I want to see the rest of this telenovela. I don't want to see the rest of this fucking <laughs> crappy movie. Um, um, I also liked. I mean, I think this is. Uh one of the few movies I've seen that has a majority Hispanic cast, so that was cool. That is true. That is definitely true. Um, I can't really argue with that fact. Uh, but I, and I do think that uh, Sarah Seligman, uh, who is the director of this movie, uh, is kind of like off to like a good start. Like I think this is like this is her first full length feature film. Uh, she's done a lot of shorts. Uh, aside from that but this is her first full film and like we've kind of like made fun of this film and we've kind of made made light of it but I do think there's something admirable about the fact that she really tried to go all in on a movie like this like she really she tried you can tell that she she put her all in and she tried and I think that she should be given another chance to direct and I think that she could do a really good job directing. I just think uh, maybe she kind of needs to narrow her focus a little bit. Yeah. Well, I, I think I, I think maybe she's you know it's writing and directing are both so hard. I think maybe she's just should. I would be more interested to see her next movie as a director if it had someone else that wrote the script or or a co-writer. Or maybe just better editing. Um, not not in the sense that the film wasn't edited smoothly, but editing in the sense that like cut entire storylines. Like go ahead and chop this, and you know we'll focus on something else. Yeah, I did, I, did, I had the feeling that this was such a low budget film. Like it was such like an independent film that it was kind of like there's nobody to tell you to cut things because uh, there's nobody who cares enough. You to you make don't you cut think things. the folks at cranked up productions were lending her a guiding hand yeah let's talk about cranked up productions for a moment uh because have they done anything like i thought they had a good uh production logo but uh they haven't really done a lot i mean they had a good production logo but it also kind of looked like some kind of 90s nickelodeon show (laughs) like it was a little Uh, much for me it kind of looked like a ripoff of uh bad robot like because it was just like another robot who was also being mischievous and doing some murder (laughs) and and you're like all right cranked out productions like maybe you should do spend more time editing and less time like making cheeky little intros but all right you do you um, My favorite production company logo um, is <laughs> okay, for okay. the Dead for stop. the Dead for stop. the backstory for the backstory, not for the logo. Okay, 
We're not going to... You're going to finish that sentence after I give this remark. <laughs> this, this is why every podcast needs a Danny. Okay? I've said this at least once before but uh, on this podcast, but this is 100%. No one else other than Monsieur Danny has an <laughs> opinion about their favorite production logo. Continue, Danny. I have a lot of opinions about production company logos, actually, but my I'm favorite sh- one for the backstory <laughs> is the backstory. Um, that uh, one that Josh Wheaton has at the end of Buffy the Vampire Slayer. That's a little monster going, Grr, arg, And that is because he discovered... <laughs> like a half hour before the footage was due that he got a production company logo and he had no idea he was supposed to have a production company logo so it's literally a piece of paper and then a little monster that he put on a uh, drew on a piece of paper cut out and then taped to a a pencil and it just walks by the screen (laughs) and he used it for seven seasons (laughs) good for him good Good for... Oh, wait. So, like, the Mutant Enemy logo? Yes. Wow. You know what? That's impressive that he managed to do that in such a low budget. Thank you for knowing the name of that production logo. Uh, yeah. I definitely didn't just look it up while we were talking. Uh, <laughs> but, uh, yes, for sure. I definitely knew that production logo off by heart. I've seen it before. That's true. I have seen it before. Mutant Enemy. Anyways... Uh, okay, so let's go to final thoughts because I think we're talking about production logos right now, and I think that's pretty far off the main subject of this episode. Yeah, sorry, I always make this into an episode of Thor's when I'm on where stuff just gets very far afield. Hey, no, it's appreciated. I still remember when you, uh, when you randomly showed up for our Friday 13th episode, like, you showed up in the middle of the Friday 13th episode, you were in your car... And you brought up the longest Crispin Glover story I've ever heard. <laughs> and it was great. It was great. I loved it. Oh, that's right. That I loved so I loved every moment of it. So I also I also talked talked to you during that episode um, from the bathroom of a restaurant. <laughs> oh god damn. I thought it was your car. It was a bathroom of a restaurant. No no no. The right. time the time I talked about Crispin Glover, because remember I called and then I called back an hour later because you were still going. So <laughs> yes. I was I was in, I was in the bathroom restaurant and saw that I had a missed Skype call, so I just called in. That's what everyone in the public restroom wants: someone on Skype. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god, that may be the greatest podcast recording of all time. Also, uh, by the way, uh, the only reason we recorded that mo- that podcast is because of an actor named Martin Cummins, who is a friend of one of my coworkers. And we may have him on the podcast later on in the future. Anyway, Wait, the, the, the guy who was in Friday the 13th and Riverdale? Yeah. He's a friend of one of your co-workers? That's awesome. Yeah, he's a friend of one of my co-workers. It's going to be great. I really hope he accepts and doesn't listen to this long into an episode. <laughs> Anyways, um, Caitlin, what are your final thoughts about this film? I thought that it was a cool concept, um, but I also felt like I was watching three different movies at the same time, even though it was a tiny cast and a tiny set. (laughs) Um, But I don't know. I'm glad that I watched it. Like I said, I 
have um, not firsthand, but it's certainly secondhand experience, um, you know, with some of the struggles that are presented in this movie, even though it turned into more of a love story than anything else. Um, but yeah, I love a little murder. So I guess it was good. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think the murdery parts were the best parts of this movie. It was really when they tried to have, like you said, that romance that was just so icky, no matter how, you know, casual they made the kidnapping. <laughs> or how yeah. necessary they made it, too. Like, it's like, oh, they had to come in because the friend was wounded. And I don't know. It was, it was, yeah. Something else. Yeah. Yeah, you know what? That's fair. That is fair. Uh, Monster Coyote himself. <laughs> Danny, what did you think of this cinematic adventure? I love that before we recorded, you were like, well, I'm not going to say coyote the way it's pronounced uh, at the border because that would be offensive for me to do it. And then you just like an hour into this, you just drop it. You're just like, fuck it, I'm going to say it. <laughs> I'm sorry. It's my head. Like my brain just says that it's coyote. <laughs> and I apologize, but uh, I want to know your opinions. So, um, this, in terms of movies that, uh, take place, um, in a, uh, you know, sort of border town, this wasn't as good as Good, the Bad, and the Ugly. Oh, yeah, you know what? It wasn't as good as Good, the Bad, and the Ugly. <laughs> uh, what an interesting saying that definitely, uh, is applicable to this movie. <laughs> but it... we end up here. But it, it, um, I, I got something out of this movie. I think it's, um, I honestly think it's the best movie we've watched that's, uh, specifically because someone from this podcast, sorry, someone from Riverdale has been on it. I like, mean, okay, so I, I would say that in the way that that's fair that that's the movies you have watched, but Hustlers is like a really good movie. And oh, who's in, who's in Hustlers again? Lily Reinhardt. Is Betty. that Betty? Yeah. Betty's Betty. in Hustlers. Oh, that's exciting. Betty I honestly I honestly thought you guys were just covering Hustlers because it was awesome. I didn't realize it actually had a Riverdale connection. <laughs> I mean, that's fair because, uh, let's be honest with you all, that last week's edit was a fucking train wreck. That was a bad <laughs> edit of a bad podcast, and I'm sorry, but everything was delayed, and it went bad. But anyways, continue. Um, so yeah, I'd say um, I wouldn't recommend this movie, but I am actually interested in both what this director does next and what Camilo Mendez does next. I, I think, uh, you know, Cheryl Blossom will always be my favorite part of the show, but I think Camilo Mendez really, really impressed me with, with her acting in this. You know what, that that comment that you just made was very much like a segment that I experienced in the latest uh, Riverdale YA novel, which, by the way, of course I have fucking read. Because, <laughs> uh, I do this podcast and I take it seriously. Uh, is a, There's a moment in the book where Cheryl herself goes, I fucking can't help but be impressed by what Cheryl is wearing. So that's pretty much what it felt like the sentence you just said uh was like so you know congrats on that sentence <laughs> um, <laughs> i kind of wish i could just follow danny around and just be like congrats on that sentence man like i just feel like that 
I wish that that was just a thing I could do in my everyday life. But uh, as far as my existence, uh, yeah, I pretty much. As opposed to as opposed to when you follow me around because you're trying to pee in public. (laughs) We won't talk about that time. I almost got arrested by the Chicago Public Authority. I don't know how you talked your way out of that. <laughs> it's called uh, Canadian and White. Uh, <laughs> I admit my privilege, and <laughs> it was not great. Uh, but yes, I got a, I got out of being arrested in Chicago when I went there for the only time I will probably ever enter the city of Chicago. It's uh, met in person, you guys. <laughs> We all met in person, and the night ended with me almost getting arrested, but hey, who's keeping track? Uh, I am whenever I'm feeling down about myself. Oh, I'm Uh, sorry to hear that. I wasn't trying to make you feel down. I was just trying to make fun of you for trying to pee in public, or rather succeeding in peeing in public. (laughs) I succeeded, and that should be an accomplishment, not a depressive fact, but hey, whatevs. (laughs) This is my brain. Uh, yeah, but I agree with everything that Danny said, uh, because I don't remember what Danny said, but I'm going to say I agree so that we can end this podcast. <laughs> I said, I said this, this movie was the, the mask of Zorro of movies about coyotes. <laughs> There's no way you said that. I would have remembered that. Anyways, uh, as always, you can follow this podcast on M Podcast M and Twitter and Milkshakes and Mimosas at Milkshakes and Mimosas at gmail.com to email us uh, your thoughts and facts. Uh, Danny, is there anywhere else they can find you on this World Wide Web? They sure as fuck can. They can listen to Thor's Hour of Thunder, where uh, we talk uh, movies that uh, we love, but that don't necessarily have the biggest uh, audience um, from mostly the 80s and 90s, and uh, that's hour of thunder just search hour of thunder or thor's hour of thunder in any podcast app or do hour of thunder.podomatic.com if you want to look at the you know really basic website the podomatic gives you we are covering midsummer on sunday though so we're uh we're getting into some some more popular flicks that's true that's true we occasionally we occasionally break from my goal which is for us to only talk about movies that no one cares about but uh, hey, we our, also uh, talked about uh, Chud Two, Bud the Chud. That's uh, more in line day. with our goal. <laughs> um, hey, our uh, our Icon and Peace episode had a lot of downloads though, so people clearly uh, like the weird ass shit we're throwing down. Sorry, what I did you say? Forget that movie. The I, what I know in I peace? Watched it, but... It's called I Come in Peace, Andrew. It is. A oh, movie. the movie where like uh, uh, what the fuck is his name? Stupid Dolph Lundgren stars against yes. that weird alien dude who's like I come in peace and just like steals their soul ancestors or whatever. Yes, that is a hundred percent correct. Have you seen it? No. <laughs> I liked it. <laughs> okay, uh, Caitlin. <laughs> Caitlin, where can we find you on this interwebs? Um, you can find me on Twitter. It's private, but if you request, I'll definitely accept. It's at Caitlin Grant, C-A-I-T-L-I-N-G-R-A-N-T. And I'm on Thor's Hour of Thunder as well. You should follow her as she consistently has the best tweets on that Aww. sad, pathetic website. <laughs> um, but her, her tweets makes it worth it. Uh, so thank you and you can follow us at the things that I said before but should have said after they did their plugs hey whatevs this is my podcast bye bye <laughs> <laughs>